0: Feed your crews well and give them a lot of good crappy of all kinds of things. Snacks for everyone. Even if they're vegans, like, don't just put bananas out. Yeah.
1: Thank you. As a vegan, <laughs> I really appreciate that.
0: The yeah. Bananas.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just,
0: like, you got to have stuff for every. Like, make sure there's <laughs> snacks for everybody all day so that they don't feel like... And the same snacks every day. Like, put a little variety into it. I really... Again, I'm, a, I'm an Italian girl from New Orleans. There's no way I'm not going to feed people on set. I want them to be well-fed, and yeah, it's important. Indie film, feed your, feed your crews.
1: <laughs> I had to include the food quote because this is a feast. I normally, normally, aim for 30 minutes. Normal. On this episode, though, I took a look at my clock, and we've been talking for 58 minutes, and I'm thinking, I could talk with her for another hour. That's Tina Carboni, producer, editor, director, and you can just listen and know why she's been able to make over 70 films in 11 years. She's so brilliant, funny, insightful, but I should just shut up and let you get to the conversation. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Ducek. Snacks for everyone on set, people, even for the vegan. Good day, filmmaker Tina Carboni. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing today?
1: i am fantastic so i noticed you on instagram hyping everyone else's projects and i'm like who is this amazing person that is sharing the love with everyone else except for you like i was scrolling through stories it was like someone else's project someone else's project someone else's project where does that come from tina did parents like friends like how did you become such a kind uh, generous person
0: <laughs> I yeah, I guess my, my parents uh, I'm originally from New Orleans and my parents when I grew up they were always very kind and giving. My dad is I'm very much like him just helping anybody that needed it and just so yeah, we always had like friends and family over for different holidays. We were kind of the host house if you will and yeah, I just loved people. I was a very like I don't know. I ex Ex- extrovert child or I, I don't know how you would even say that but just like I was the one that wanted to be talking to everybody and in front of everybody and every time there's a camera out I wanted to be in front of it and yeah I think that the the friendliness of that world kind of put me in this place and yeah I think that's probably where so I would say <laughs> let's go with family my family is like really cool and we're really close so I think that that played a big part in how I kind of grew up and treated other people.
1: That's awesome. That's a great answer. And so was that always been front of a camera? Was that how you got a love for filmmaking? Is it you just did both sides of it in front and behind?
0: Yeah. I mean, I was the kid that wanted to rent the same movie over and over again. Like there were a few movies that I really loved. And so we would go to rent a video and I would get the same movie. And then I'd, I'd know all the lines and I would play out as a little kid, play out the different scenes at the house or in the backyard or whatever. And so I, I think it kind of came from this love of like watching films and then trying to be a part of them in a way that a little kid, you know, like wasn't making movies then, but I was in my head making movies. And then I was a theater kid in high school. So, all four years of high school, I was in the, the drama department. And then I was the drama club president senior year and got to pick a, a play as drama club president to kind of do. You, you do all the things. And so I picked a murder mystery dinner theater. No. As a high schooler, like, what, what are you doing? And then I cast the play <laughs> and I rehearsed everybody. And I, I set up deals with like a macaroni grill to give us free food. And like, oh, yeah, I just, uh... it was my first kind of foray into producing and directing without understanding that that's producing is what I was doing. And after that, it was like, oh, I don't want to act anymore. Like this is where, this is where it's at. You know, like I want to be the one in charge of stuff. I want to put it all together. I want to be the, you know, the, the person that holds all the, the keys to everything. And yeah, so then in college, I I kind of skirted into film and yeah, never really looked back. It just makes me really happy. Set is my happy place still to this day. I love being around other people and collaborating. And yeah, that's kind of the weird trajectory of wanting to be in film.
1: Wow. Because I think you've done everything now in the professional world, except acting. And that's literally like editing, directing, producing. Is there a reason specifically for that? Do you have one love of those more than the other?
0: Yeah. I mean, I went to school for, with sort of a directing and editing path. And so that I always wanted to direct. I happen to also really love, you know, the paperwork and the spreadsheets and the putting all the pieces together. And so even in school, when I was with other directing class people, they would ask me to help produce. I was producing my own stuff without, like I said, realizing I was producing because I didn't have like producing friends in that track. And that kind of is what started, you know, the producing way. I was never trained in producing. And even once I moved out here, it was kind of a, learn by doing scenario and I broke off on my own in like 2013 and just wanted to be happy doing the projects that I loved and that ended up being easier to get hired on as a producer because people were like oh you you do things can you help me do things and so it was like free work just donated time to friends and then it (laughs) became like friends of friends and then friends of friends of friends and my name just kind of started getting passed around and so I do however think that like, I don't want to be an actor. I'm not, I, I have so much respect for actors. What they do is so hard because you have to just shut it all out and get into a right. zone and be on camera. And that's so vulnerable. And like, I respect them. I never want to do that. I never want to be on camera. Anything behind the camera, yeah, you got it. But never want to be in front. But learning the, the directing side of things in college and then the editing side of things really helped me to learn, this is what you need as an editor from your director. And this is what you need from your director as an editor. And so that really helped me to kind of hone in on, get the right shots, get the B-roll that you need, get the things, but don't overshoot because then it's too much. You don't want that as an editor, all of the things. So I think that that kind of helped in that sense. And then once I was like producing and helping people put things together and being out here learning by doing, you know, learning how to put a full production binder together and what paperwork was necessary and so on. I think everything kind of helps the other thing, which is Where I guess I excel, because even coming at it from a directing standpoint now, I'm coming from my producing head on like, what do we actually need? How can we get this done as efficiently and like inexpensively as possible? But also from an editor side, it's like, if I know how I'm going to edit this, I know that I can only shoot these things and we can be okay. So I think having all of those kind of hats in your, in your, you know, in your armoire, in your wardrobe, (laughs) you just can pop them (laughs) on and off. And it helps, it helps all the other processes as you go through. In my, in my experience.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. So do you think that being a, so do schools and I'm maybe showing my ignorance here, but do schools, you know, like the major film schools teach producing in a way that like would be helpful to like, say your career from when you started to have like a formal education for it? Are they not really?
0: I mean, I think from what I hear, you know, there are definitely, you know, like schools like AFI definitely has like a producing track and like. And some of these bigger like film schools definitely have that. So I'm sure that they they learn everything that they need to know and they learn all of like the budgeting side and the, you know, maybe the distribution side and stuff. And those are things that when you're learning by yourself, you you don't really know. I don't know investors. I don't have that kind of knowledge. But I I'm very transparent about that when I'm bring, you know, brought onto things or working with people and I just partner with the right people that know the things that I don't. So I think in that sense, it's kind of like you come from a world where from school you might know all the things. Already, once you're out in the world, and for me, it's been, yeah, learning as I go, and yeah, still learning. Like I'm still learning. Like now with distribution and festivals and things that I've never been a part of until these last few years have really opened up a whole new world. And I, I love knowledge. I love knowing new things. I love growing and learning. And I try to try to keep an eye out for even on set, like what a what is each department like and not like about production, and like how can I fix that in the world of producing or directing to make their lives better and easier because like a really amazing set experience is always the top kind of priority in most cases for me. So, yeah, I think just that side of things in school, you would know, whereas once you're learning by yourselves, you have to, you have to be open to saying, I don't know that, but if you help me, we can do this together and I'll learn and be better the next time.
1: Haven't you found that that's the way to go about things, right? Like if you, if I told you, Tina, I know all about, you know, X, and then you find out this dude doesn't know anything about X. You're sort of like, mm-hmm. Hey man, you lied, you know, you lied to me. Yeah. Whereas if I came to you, Tina and said, ah, sorry, to, sorry, Tina, but I don't know anything about X. Can you help me? You're probably like much more likely to be like, Oh, uh, Ben admitted he doesn't know something about this. I, I want to help him out. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's part of the longevity of being a freelancer for this long. Cause now it's right. going on. What is this? Like, yeah, like, going into my 11th year, I guess, of just freelancing, like I haven't had like a, like a real job, if you will, you know, (laughs) I've just popped around to all these different productions. And I think the biggest reason why there's a few, but like one of the biggest reasons is my transparency. Like I am very transparent to everybody, even as a producer, I'm transparent to my crew. I'm like, this is what we have. I'm not trying to to mess you up by not giving you what you need. Like, this is what we have. Let's all work together, you know, as a director, same thing. And I'm, I'm very transparent about the rate that I can pay, the time we're gonna take, that we're gonna try to do this, this, and this, but if it doesn't work, like here's the backup plan. And you know, I may have lost jobs for certain reasons saying, I don't really know that, full transparency, but I would rather lose that job and have the respect of somebody saying, oh, thank you for your honesty, like let's do it again on the next one. And by the next time I work with them, I might have a whole new set of skills that I didn't have by going into that and not knowing what I was talking about and failing and looking like, you know, looking like the ass in front of a whole crew of people. Uh, So yeah, I think that that's a big part of what kept me going this whole time is just being very open about what I know and what I don't know, what I do really well, and what I'm still learning and growing on. And for the most part, because I live in a very just the indie space, I'm not somebody that's looking to do the big, you know, Marvel movie features. Like I love the indie space, because it's, it's like a family. I am what they call a set mom. I love to mom everybody and make sure everybody's good and they have what they need and they're fed well. And like, so I love knowing everybody's names. I love like, what's your coffee order? That's my too. Okay, great. You know, like you just know people. And I feel like when you get in that bigger stage of life, producers and UPMs, you know, like things like that, you are kind of an office sub. You don't get to be on set. And like I said, set is where I love to be. So yeah, I think that being really transparent is never a bad thing because, you know, you're going to get put in the places that, will help you to grow into a better person and a better whatever that thing is. And then also work ethic, of course, is really big. And just being a friendly morale boost on set, right. I think is also a huge reason why I have kept working. And the referrals have kind of, you know, popped me around to people that I would have never met. And I just, yeah, I love I love the the humans that I work with. They're just wonderful people. And I don't like a bad set vibe. So I keep my circle very, you know, close and you've had quite a few of that circle on your podcast so <laughs> i think you kind of see where they are they're yeah. all really great people that are very open and collaborative and yeah it's a good time it's a really good time
1: <laughs> wow so i guess after that answer it won't surprise people that you've made since 2013 70 short films which by my basic math is like almost six five to six films a year like. That yeah, that's insane. Like how have you managed to be able to do that and stay stay sane?
0: I mean, (laughs) the sanity is a questionable thing probably sometimes. But yeah, I think and what's funny is like that 70-ish is not including that's just things I've like produced UPM directed shorts wise. That's not all of the ones that I still help PA like I I'll pay for a friend still to this day. Like I don't have an ego about that. So like I don't count those. I don't have a lot of IMDB credits for all those ones that I pa on. So I'm sure it's even like higher than that. But the thing about wow. short films is that they're they're fun. They're just as much work kind of as a feature once you're doing all right. the pre-pro and the, you know, like, and they're harder because you're not going to make money off them. Somebody nobody wants to give you money as an investor for them. Right. So in that way, they're a little bit harder and and it's crazy, but they're fast and they're fun. And when you love to be on set, the quickest way to get on set over and over again is to do short films because a feature takes so long. Like it's forever in prep. It's a certain amount of shoot days and then you're in post and festivals and distribution forever again. So, so the shorts are really like the fun thing to go and do. And on top of that, I, from experience, know that Nobody gives you the opportunity to do things until you go and do them. And so I, as like somebody that came from a directing world, had to like produce for free for a while and like learn how to do it better and write and grow directing wise as well. Like nobody, nobody has kind of given me that opportunity to go and do it. So I have to kind of keep doing these for myself and put myself out there as that as well to try to get paid work as a director. So I see all of my friends that have helped me on things that are either actors that want to write and direct now or learn to direct or, you know, produce writers that want to produce or, you know, DPs that want to direct. It's like everybody wants to try a thing. And it's really nice to be able to say, like, I kind of was in that position and I didn't have people to kind of mentor me in. I kind of got, you know, maybe there's being messed around a little bit by mentors that were supposed to give you a thing that they didn't or mistreat you or as a PA, like we've all been mistreated as a PA in the land of this industry. And so that's a really important thing too, is like making sure my PAs are really respected and treated just as well as the rest of the team because they are just as important. So I think by seeing everybody on set and what everybody's trying to do, having my experience of like having to learn and grow by myself and and work with friends to try to help me get to a better place, help them get to a better place. It's just this kind of cycle of like paying it forward. And I really love that. Like that gives me such a like, know, no, happy heart because you're making somebody else's dreams come true. You're helping them to find out if that's the thing they want to do. And if I have the knowledge and it's easy and quick for me to say like, I have all of this stuff templated already. I have a Google drive built that I can just basically copy and paste. So like producing wise, it's so, I don't know, it's a simpler task for me to take on. And it doesn't take my full bandwidth where somebody that's just learning it will take their full, like it's going to take many bandwidths, you know, just you're so overwhelmed because it, it can encompass so many tasks. And in the short film and indie space, even in features, a producer can take on so many hats. Like I may not have the money for a UPM or a coordinator or even a PA sometimes I'm sitting there taking out the trash. Like it's, you will have to do whatever is not getting done so that the director can be in their bubble to do that thing. And then also as a director, you know, I've, I've produced uh, most of the things that I've directed just because Nobody is coming on to kind of do that for a donated or very, very free rate because producers work for a long time. It's not just, oh, here's this one day you're donating. It's, right. you know, a, a month, time, yeah. maybe more for even a, even a short film. So yeah, I just really respect everybody that's trying to do the thing that they really want to do and like live that dream because I'm technically, I'm in that space. I'm living that dream. Like every day still, I'm very honored every time anybody reaches out to do anything, whether I'm producing something or UPMing something, or even directing is like a dream. Like I'm trying to do more of that. And to have somebody give me the opportunity to do that feels incredible. So yeah, it's just this, this mentality of paying it forward and building the community that you want to be in. And I've just continued to grow that circle by helping folks. And, and in the payoff is like, not only do they know that you're there for them and like you're helping each other, but it gives you that like goodwill for later down the line, which I'm somebody that's not great at asking for things. I I need to get better at that. But like mm-hmm. my asks are few and far between. And so in turn, like I just did a, a few weekends ago now, a short that's a passion project of mine that I co-wrote with one of my producing partners, Patrick Dorsey. And then we brought another friend that he's trying to learn more about producing and getting on a producing track. So he brought him on as a producing partner and the oh, three man. of us produced uh, the short that I directed and, and I'm now editing. And I was able to like ridiculously enough bring on, I think by the time everybody was there, it was like 19 people that all came and donated a day to me. And they're all professionals in their, in their space, including the actors. And it was just like the most incredible experience because they were all friends of mine. Like every single crew and cast member were friends of mine that I've helped in the world. Now they're paying it back and, and helping me. and it was just the most fun experience and everybody had smiles and it wasn't stressful. And somehow we busted through 12 pages in one day, six actors around a table here in my, in my dining room right back there. It it was, yeah, but it was all because the culmination of all the knowledge that I have from all the different hats, like how do we make this actually happen and not go over the 12 hours and not disrespect people and not take advantage, but still ask them for this favor. And it worked out so well. And I can't wait to have it out in the world because it's, It's been like one of the hardest things to edit because there's too much good stuff, uh, which is a great (laughs) problem to have. It's so funny and every take is so great. So, so yeah, so it's just to say as you, as you give things to people in your, in your world, in your circle, at, at some point it comes back and it helps you to make something as well. And so, yeah, we just all do that. It's a really nice space.
1: (laughs) And I think like you can watch you conclude editing because I think I'm usually about ready to go to bed and I see like on your Instagram stories, you're like, I'm editing. I'm like, gosh, does she sleep ever?
0: I don't. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. I have a a severe addiction to caffeine. I drink a lot of iced Americanos, which is just espresso straight up of and yeah, I try to not overwhelm myself because I've learned that lesson in the past. But right now, I think it's like maybe six or seven projects that are all needing a bit of my time oh all at once God. in the last couple of weeks, which was not an expected or or supposed to happen thing. But with festivals and distribution stuff and like prepping a feature I'm about to go up and do, prepping a short that I'm producing, and then like... A real winner, being like now's the time to do this. Short of my own, that I'm gonna take on all the things. So yeah, it's been a bit of a weird world win I just have to make it through, basically South by Weekend, and then go and do one project kind of for a while. The future, just be on that for a minute and not have to do everything at once. But for now, it's getting, yeah, getting everything done and just powering through. I think I think everybody in this, in especially the indie space, understands the powering through times of production. And yeah, so basically it's all day is, you know, emails and Zooms. And like we we talked the other day on online, it was like back-to-back Zooms. since From the moment I woke up to like 10, I think by like just before 10, I was finally done with my last call. And then I was like, okay, time to edit. And so 1030 to almost four, I was editing and then got to bed and did four or five hours of sleep and then got up and (laughs) did it all the next day. So yeah, it's not it's not the easiest life i said i was living a dream not an easy you know i don't live on a yacht in the ocean but, but i'm really happy like it's it's all making me happy it's their stressful like mental right. breakdown moments yes it's gonna happen but I, you also understand like you put yourself in that place and you're gonna you're gonna follow through with the things you said you're gonna do and you're gonna get through it and you'll learn the lesson for a little bit and then you'll forget that lesson and do it again <laughs> later learn it again
1: I did want to ask you before we left all the shorts that you've done. So let's say I'm a new indie filmmaker. Would you recommend doing a short first? So I think of Bridge Stewart, who did Fantastic Relationship, which yep. funny enough, I scroll through producing and there you are like, gosh, it's yep. amazing. But it sounds like he and I was shocked when he said that it was ultra low budget because it didn't look like it. He did a lot of great things. Yeah. I mean, his uh, cinematographer did a lot of great jam- things to make it look like it costs a lot more. But the question is like so it looked like maybe he really worked hard to make a feature versus a short. Would you tell a filmmaker hey if you can, you know, do whatever you can to make that feature or would when would you recommend that you make a short film first?
0: I mean, I recommend doing shorts first for a few reasons. I think it gives you it's first off easier to do. A it's kind of doing those like five K's or 10 K's right. before you go for like a half marathon, even or like,
1: ultramarathon. marathon. Yeah. Right. Ultra mar- <laughs> yeah. Like I, you know, I figure
0: like your first feature is kind of like, you think it's the marathon, but it's because it's indie and it's smaller. It's actually like a half marathon. And then the first time you do like a little bit bigger budget where it's more days than the 10 to 12 to 15 days, it's like 20 to 30 days. Then you start right. realizing, Oh, this was just like a habit. Now we have to like, I don't, I've i never been on one that's more than probably like 30 days. And to know that there, there are these huge Hollywood features that do Mon- just months and months and months <laughs> of filming, I'm just like, oh no, that's okay. That's the marathon. So half marathon, maybe marathon over here, but shorts are getting you, you know, getting your muscles into place for those kind of long runs. And not only that, but by doing shorts and by kind of, Bringing people on that you like and bringing your your circle in, you're starting to figure out who is the right fit for you and your kind of way of filming, your vibe. Like all of these things are really, really important because the better your community, your crew and cast around you are, the better your set experience is going to be, the better your film is going to kind of turn out. And especially in an indie space, like you don't want to be miserable for... For no money. (laughs) Like Blockbuster things, if you're making millions of dollars, sure, go be miserable if you if you need to be miserable to make that money. But like on a on a low budget thing, like you don't want that even on you know your features. So I think shorts help with building your community and the right people in your space. I think that they really help to hone in on your style of filmmaking, your vision, kind of like what what is your element that you bring that maybe other people don't? You know, whether it's I like a handheld, I like a or I like a uh, you know this kind of a, it. Just everybody has a different taste of what they watch, and then when they start making stuff, I think they bring some of that in with them. And so that really gets honed in a lot more on a short because you you can play with things and you can figure things out more. And yeah, I think also just learning the craft once you have done a few shorts, you have kind of that secondhand speak with the crew and stuff. You understand, and your crew will kind of they'll feel that in a feature version because you're not oh, I I don't know. What do you think? You're not humming and hawing as much because you've had a little bit of experience to at least know, no, I was right about that. This is definitely how I would want to do this. Whereas if you just jump into a feature, you're not only spending a lot more time, but you will have to find money somehow, whether that's crowdsourcing, whether that's an investor or whatever. So there's a lot bigger stakes at that point. And if you fail, it feels devastating whereas if you fail in a short you can throw it on a shelf and nobody cares like it's you know like okay i I spent a little money and i wasted a little money but i learned so many lessons and you can still sometimes put it out and throw it to festivals and and fix it fix it in post which we we all love to to not do but you know like you can you can have those those you know easier times in the failing aspect because failing is learning. So I never be afraid to fail. Like you jump into something, I say, jump into the deep end without your floaties on and you sink or you swim, but at least, you know, somebody will be there to to help you you out. out. Yeah, You'll know. And, you know, once that's happened, you'll, you'll have such a better structure of just everything from the ground up. Like, what does it take to get it started? What does it take to film it? And what does it take to get it to post and out of the door? And it's so much easier when it's a 10 minute short than, an hour and a half feature that takes up so much time and energy and money. So that's that's why I would say it's just a lot of different things, but right. it's helpful. Well,
1: I imagine it comes up, right? Is that most people who watch films who don't know anything about the industry just wonder, like, it, was it a great film or not? And you're probably thinking, you know, when you go to raise money for a feature, I'm sure the question comes up is, like, what kind of set does he or she run? Like, are they able to, are they going to make you know, are they going to be able to make the film with the money that I provide? I'm sure that comes up. And if you, they don't have any experience, how how can you answer that?
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's true, even working with new directors in a short, I have conversations based off of my own experience as, you know, producer, director, editor, all of that. I, and I bring up things like your shot list has 40 something shots in it. And this is, that's a lot. And this is a one page scene and you have eight to 10 shots and on paper, that's, that's one minute. Are you going to cut that many times in a one minute, you know, is this a Guy Ritchie movie that's like cut like crazy? Or are you wanting to stay in and like, it's a short film. You got to learn what are your characters doing? Like let your audience breathe with them for a second. And so even saying things in that kind of format where it's like, you, you are never going to use as many shots in one. Edit. And I know you want to have the right. coverage to have the decision in the edit, but when you think in the edit first, then you, you don't waste as much time in shooting which is helpful because you don't, you know, you don't want to take advantage of people in a short film where you're not paying them a bunch of money. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. So I try to have those kind of conversations, even for newbies in the, in the shorts world, like what, here's what you can do if you want. Oh, you want a steady cam. I get it, but we can't really afford that. So how about like a gimbal, like something like this, or you want to shoot two camera. We can't really do that, but like, what about this? And you just try to still make the vision happen, but with a different set of skills Making those visions happen. And I think it's helpful to learn that again in a short, you know, rather than to try to do it in a feature and then you have a bunch of people waiting for you and you're on your 20th hour of the day and they all hate you because you're like, why, why are we still here? You don't even have a vision anymore. We don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> right. So.
1: So I wanted to ask you, considering, you know, how much the breadth of work that you've done, your thoughts on work life culture. I know that there's this whole thing in a lot of industries about this whole hustle culture about how you're supposed to work 20 hours a day. And so if like you are starting out and you hear this and maybe, you know, I'm sure maybe you, you're a person who is say a single father, or single mom, something like that, maybe you're trying to go back to school. I don't not sure of the life situation. But maybe you don't have like the ability to to work a long time. What would you say to that person about like getting ahead? Do you feel like like it has to be done at some point, or are there ways to like cut corners to to make it work? What are your thoughts on on that
0: yeah i mean i'm I'm a like a very big pusher of like let's do no more than twelve hour days like twelve hours should awesome. be like the most that we do. Right. I try never to go over that just in general as I'm able to kind of be more of the person putting the foot down on things in the producing world and, and stuff, I, I'm trying to move people more towards like, let's do an eight hour shoot day, 10 hour awesome. work day, you know, uh, let's like move it back so that we don't, because as somebody, as you heard me talk about what I'm doing right now, I have no work life. balance, I have, I have no life balance. <laughs> like I'm all work right now. And so it's very oh, wow. weird because as a freelancer, the swing is either all work or all play. Cause there's rarely a time where you're just doing like one thing. And I am trying to still figure out every year it's on my, my first of the year goal list. I make a goal instead of a resolution. It's just a goal. Every single year, the work-life balance thing is on there. And I have yet to actually say, I had it this year. So I think it's really hard just in general in this kind of, you know, just because filmmaking is, especially if you're producer or director like you're definitely you're spending the time Stop. off hours to work and get it to where it needs to be but i think if there are more people in the industry that start to think through in pre-production can we budget this and schedule this for an 8-hour day or a 10-hour day instead of this 12-hour day that turns into 14 hours or like there's just there's a way in pre-production to figure that stuff out at least in my world in the indie space there's there's a way to figure that stuff out and then raise for that Amount of money or work around like, okay, scheduling wise, if we can't, if we have to do it this many, you know, days, like let's, let's not do so many shots so that we can still get it in a smaller day. And yeah, I think it's really, it's important. And I wish like more producers would kind of lean into that because you're not getting the best out of people after a certain amount of hours. On hour 16. Yeah. They're not giving you their all and you're just (laughs) making them upset. And then like, you keep doing that for days at a time and by the end of it they're just they just don't care to be there they don't want to work they want to go home and sleep and so i think if you give them the proper turnaround like even all the non union stuff that i work like we still try to follow a union rule like we will feed awesome. you at your 6 hour we are going to like you're going to get a second meal at 12 hours if we go over like you're going to get overtime even if we don't have the money like we're going to figure that you just don't want to take advantage because that's that's where indie indie producers get a really bad name because they're just trying to squeeze the most out of everybody for the least amount of money. And that's not, that's not me. I'm never going to be that person. My indie space is like, I just want to be, I want to have everybody I I love on set with me. I want to, I want (laughs) to do it in a way that feels like fun. And so let's keep that up in the sense of like getting shorter hours, no six day work weeks. I try to only do like the five day because six days, you don't have a weekend at all. Like you don't have time to relax. I try never to, I really try to put my foot down on like, what they call days, which is like, you know, you work the overnight Friday and the Saturday morning and then you're oh still back God. to work at 7 a.m. on Monday. You have that's like there's no time to like enjoy any life right. at that point. So yeah. So I'd really try to put my foot down on the things that I'm able to do, or at least put a hand up and say, like, hey, I know I'm not the one in charge at this on this exact production, but here's some things that I think we should think of. And yeah, it's those shorter days, five day work weeks, if you know, if we're doing overnights. We don't do frater days. We actually make it to where they still have the two days off or you do splits, figure out a way to do like, okay, we're going to go like, you know, a two to two instead of a 7 PM to 7 AM. It just, it makes a difference. It's so much harder to rebalance your life and get back onto those 7 AM schedules after. So yeah, it's just thinking of those things to try to make your work-life balance a little bit easier. And for people that don't have a full, you know, 24 hours to to right. donate to a production, like, you shouldn't have to. It's really not. There's always a way around it. And you just usually if you figure it out in pre-production and you put that that stamp on it then and say like, this is how we're doing this, then you can make it work. And people, I I don't have a lot of people I don't think that won't come back and work with me even on these low budget, no budget, donated days. Like I still am able to pull those favors because people know that they're going to be treated well. They're going to be respected awesome. on set. They're going to be fed, which is very important in, in indie filmmaking. <laughs> Feed your crews well and give them a lot of good crappy of all kinds of things. Snacks for everyone. Even if they're vegans, like don't just put bananas out. Yeah.
1: Thank you. As a vegan, <laughs> I really appreciate that. The yeah, bananas. <laughs> yeah. Just like
0: you got to have stuff for everyone. Like make sure there's <laughs> snacks for everybody all day so that they don't feel like, and the same snacks every day, like put a little variety into it. I really, Again, I am a I am an Italian girl from New Orleans. There's no way I'm not going to feed people on set. <laughs> I want them to be well fed, and yeah, it's important. Indie film, feed your feed your crews. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: awesome, Tina. So, do you think like the unions, even though there's a lot of non-union pro- projects, have a role to play in that? So, I'm thinking like, I feel like so many directors have to be multi-hyphenates, you know, know something about production in a way that maybe 20 years ago they didn't have to. And I feel like maybe, are we losing out on that great generation of directors because they're having to focus on other things and like shots and, you know, making their films look, look and feel beautiful?
0: Yeah. I don't know because in my eyes, I feel like the learning all of the things that I've learned with all the different hats it actually has made me kind of a better director in a way. Interesting. I, I, and that might not be the case for everybody. Cause a lot of people might just want to be in that bubble and not have to think about other right. things, but yeah, I don't, I think it's kind of, like I said, especially in the indie space, it's, it's, it's kind of a necessity to be able to do right. different things or at least to get started. I'm not saying you always have to do that. Like, sure. One day I hope, Maybe to, I mean, I don't, I really like producing directing. I just love being (laughs) that combo because I get both worlds of like my sort of type A, like I need to be in charge of things and know what's going on. And then also the creative (laughs) side of me that just wants to be, make things cool and beautiful. But a lot of people don't want to do that. And so I think that's the attainable thing is like, okay, well, I can get to where I'm just producing or I'm just directing or I'm just acting. But in this space, like now it's so easy for people to make films that unless you're kind of doing it for yourself, you're not going to get you're not going to get that start. Nobody's going to give you that start. So doing all the things in those first few years or first few shorts or a feature or whatever, it gives you a lot of say, which I think is the good part of as a filmmaker, you want your voice to be heard and you want your stamp on it. And I think as i hear people getting bigger budgets and investors coming in and they they start to lose some of their stamp on it because it's not going to make money or it's not going to do this we need this actor we need this thing and your investors will have a say in like an edit or how you promote it or whatever and so i think that when you're starting out if it's a smaller thing you have a lot more say and so you are able to put a stamp on it that is a really you thing that you're putting out to the world but then as you get a little bit more money and more things happening around you that stamp gets taken away just sometimes even slightly but you won't have all the say that you had in that first one which i think in and this is totally just my my perception of it but i think this is why we see a lot of these really amazing first features from you know filmmakers that go to these giant festivals or get distribution on their first film because it's so different and beautiful and it's not taking into account what's going to make money back or what has the biggest star in it but then their second right. film isn't it doesn't feel like them. And I always take into account, like it's probably because they were not the final say They were, they were the one that was given this opportunity. And when you're given that opportunity, you don't, you are like, thank you. Yes. I'll take that opportunity. And then everybody else gets to have their say in it. And so I think a lot of times when you see that first feature be like so different and unique and crazy good. And then their, their sophomore, you know, thing is a little more, it's a little more, okay. I mean, it's still good or whatever, but maybe it's right. a little more commercial or maybe it's just doesn't feel like them at all, or it still does, but it's different. I don't know. I, I do think that that plays a part in it because you do, you do lose a little, a little say, the more people that come in and I put money into stuff or the more hats that those people are, or the more cooks in the kitchen. I love that little <laughs> thing. Yeah. You start bumping into each other and it, you drop eggs and it's terrible. So yeah, that's, I don't know. I feel like it's a good space to be because you learn exactly what you want. So you know what to fight for. Like, what are the important things to fight for and what aren't? Like, what are the things you can kind of give to them and say, "Okay, I can say yes to those things. But these are the things that are really important to me. And yeah, I think, you know, in this space, so many people are so many things. Every festival I go to, you just see writer, director, producer, director, actor, writer, you know, like everybody's doing more than one thing. And it might just be the nature of the beast in the indie world for for a while, just because it's getting easier and easier to make stuff and harder and harder to find money for it.
1: So true. So Tina, if somebody's listening and says like, I want to watch a film that she was a part of, can you talk a little bit about the films that you have upcoming at festivals or released uh, if, that people would be able to watch?
0: Sure. I I I am on the, the end festival run of a short that I did all the things we co-wrote, produced, directed, edited another little passion project at the end of 2022, which did a full run last year. So there's a few festivals coming up with that. We just were in one. And then we have one coming up called Uptilt. It's in North Carolina. And it's a female kind of festival. Yay. So a lot of a lot of female yeah. filmmakers, which is amazing. And we have, a, we have a couple more that we're waiting to hear on that. I am an associate producer on an amazing film called Bob Trevino Likes It that is world premiering at South by Southwest uh, on the 9th. So I'm very excited to go to Austin. I've never been to South by yet. So I'm I'm actually going to go this year and be in the thick of it. Um, Awesome. Yeah. There hopefully will be news soon on a film I produced at the end of 2021 called The Secret Art of Human Flight that I'm so excited about and so proud and can't wait for people to see it. It uh, premiered at Tribeca last year. And those are kind of the bigger ones. This short that I'm editing right now will hopefully be sending out to festivals, you know, in the next month or so. So maybe that. And then there's just a wide variety of stuff that's already out in the world that you can see Bridges film. It, it's a fantastic relationship. It's at Sedona Film Festival, or maybe will have been by the time right. this comes out. But um, <laughs> yeah, his film is coming out. I, I, I was a producer on that. There's a bunch of vanishing angle films that I've UPM'd on uh that that are out in the world that you can watch. And then a bunch of shorts. Like I don't know. I they're they're probably on YouTube, Vimeo. Anybody's short film that I've produced <laughs> is also out there. So yeah.
1: That's so amazing to it's <laughs> so great that you're seeing like the results of your work and then, you know, the good things happening for the people that you're elevating. It's so awesome that you're putting so much love and kindness out in the world. So do you feel like festivals are elevating the right people. You see like Tribeca, Sundance, South By, and it feels like a lot more sort of like people that have made it in the industry are getting films made, are getting films shown at the festivals. So are we getting it right for emerging filmmakers at these top festivals?
0: You know, I have like such a weird, like kind of love-hate with with the bigger festivals. Like I want to get in them and I want to go and I think that they're great for going and networking and like hopefully getting something that you've made for like no money seen out there in in their space but on the on the side that i that's not that i'm like it breaks my heart because these are indie film these are indie film festivals so you're you're in this place that you're hoping that they're supporting and elevating indie filmmakers and i find that more and more i'm seeing. Like an indie film, I think I I read something, I don't know, last year, I guess it was that an indie film now encapsulates anything from like a zero budget to $13 million. And to me, I'm like, I don't understand how that's even like how. And so in the world of like studio films, a studio indie is a $13 million indie and that's that's fine for them. But they're competing also with something that's made with friends for no money or $100,000 or 250 or 500 or 750 All these sub $1 million films are competing with not only the huge film that got a lot of money, but the power that comes behind that, which is the studio and the marketing department and the, the people, the, the lawyers and the, everybody that's able to throw it out to people and get it seen and get it whatever. So I I have a really hard time being like, okay, I guess with the fact that like we're trying to make these tiny things where we have none of that and we're trying to get it seen. And we're the ones that need this kind of elevation and push of like, hey, look at this great indie filmmaker. But instead we're kind of given this either backseat or like hidden, there's so much other stuff going on. You're kind of hidden over here if you're not somebody that has distribution already a studio behind you, a giant A-list name, you know, like exactly. all of these things that make a film very capable of being out in the world without the help of these festivals, taking spots from people that can only get seen by going to these festivals. But I understand from a festival point of view, like you need to bring people to Sell tickets, your right, exactly. festival. So <laughs> you right. need those things as well. So it's just a real catch-22. And I don't have an answer for it right. at all but I do love to go. And I think it's really fun to go and show your film and talk to filmmakers, actually show up to see your film because they want to hear from you. And if you have a great film, hopefully it'll get a little rise to the top and you'll get a little bit of a nugget of something that'll get you to the next step, to get you to the distribution, to get you to the studio, whatever. And if not, you just, you keep, you keep trying. I don't know. Like that's, I have no nugget of real truth to that. I just say, I never go into anything with the mindset of I'm going to make money off of this. I have back end points coming. This is going to have mass distribution and everybody in the world is going to see it. I just don't let myself have that in my head anymore because I'd rather go in thinking a, re- a very realistic of like, I'm so proud of this thing we made. And whatever happens, happens. Like as long as somebody gets to see it, even if it's just my parents on a DVD I bring home, <laughs> and as long as somebody gets to see it, I'm okay with it. And I just know that, I'm on to the next thing. I just have to keep making because I'm there to be on set. Set like this is what I'm doing. This I'm not doing this to live in Hollywood Hills. I guess in my apartment in (laughs) Glendale. I don't. I don't need that. That's. I really just love being on set and I love making with other people. And so for me, it's a much healthier mindset to go in and say like, I just get to keep doing this, and I'm real proud of this thing. And then let's go to the next thing instead of really. Gung ho, like we're gonna make a million dollars of this. I'm gonna see all those right. back-end points, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be <laughs> the king of the world tomorrow. It's gonna be great. It's just for me and mentally a much healthier, stable place. Because when I first started out, and I think everybody goes through this, you start out and you send things to festivals, and you get these rejections and these rejections and these, re- and you just are take it personally. Oh, wow. oh my god, it's so hard not to. You're just in a just despair, and you're like, I'm, I'm terrible. Nobody likes me, and all of this, and I did that for the first few years, and then it just started you know, I started being like, it's not, this is fine. I started researching and realizing that if you get even a 10% of your submissions that you get a yes from, that's like stellar. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense Then I understand why I'm getting all these rejections. And then as you're in the festivals and you're realizing, I don't know, like there's so there's also politics to festivals. Like people know people that keep going. Programmers know filmmakers that keep submitting. You go and you make friends and, And that's a whole thing. And it's also a numbers game. They get thousands upon thousands of submissions. You're one of those. And, you know, like making a genre film last year, you know, going around with that and learning, oh, you're only going to get into a genre block. And that block equals eight things or 12 things. You have a one in 12 chance if they don't put you in something that's not genre, right? So you start having the mentality of it's okay if I don't get it. It's okay. Of course, there are some that you really want to go to. And as a, as somebody that is not super excited, like I know that I'm probably not going to get in this Sundance or South by with this certain type of film. I just stop even submitting if I think it's not going to fit them because I'm like, I'm not going to waste right. the that 60 to $80. I'm not going to waste. I'm going to do four other smaller festivals because Sundance will take a film that is not a premiere. Like, I think that's what people don't understand a lot of times, especially with short films. Sundance programmers find things at other festivals and that's how people get in. Like you don't have to be a premiere for Sundance. So go do the other things first and then come back to Sundance after you've had a little bit of like, Oh yeah, you've been there people have seen you, maybe other programmers because programmers I've also learned through festivals program from other festivals. So yeah. you just go, go to those regional festivals. You're going to get so much out of it. And it's like real other humans. It's not a bunch of like Hi this is what I can do for you what can you do for me you know handshake moments it's real human <laughs> interactions and you get taken right. care of and you you meet amazing people that are just there being other excited filmmakers which I think is the best way to kind of like they say that whole network across thing absolutely like that's the best yeah. way to do it. you don't like Completely. you can just rise together you don't have to find somebody that's way up there these yeah. people are all doing the same thing you're doing let's all help each other out and so a big thing that I've learned especially this last year going with something that was like mine like I directed that like I get to go out with this and say like these are the things we all did to make this happen uh hearing that yeah hearing that from other people I'm like let's do this together I love this thank you so yeah I think I got totally off topic there by the way no you didn't
1: no no no. you were completely on topic (laughs) and I you know that's the whole thesis behind my podcast actually is this like commiserate about how tough this is yeah so it's not easy
0: (laughs) If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would have that house in the hills. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, Tina, do you see a big jump in female filmmakers since when you started? Like, do you feel like you get contacted by a lot more females who are interested in the indie space than you did, you know, 11 years ago?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that we are still, you know, trying to make our mark in the world as female filmmakers, but I think that more females are willing to like just put themselves out there. I have so many just like writer, director, actresses, or, you know, like people that are willing to just be like, okay, well, nobody's doing this for me. I'm going to just do one for myself and then put that out there or do two for my, you know, like they keep it going. But I think it's, I think it is something that has been a nice uptick in people that come to me. There are more females now than, you know, the sort of male filmmaker aspect that I, I still work with a lot as well, but like it was a little less back in the day. Now I have a lot more females coming to me with something to produce or, you know, whatever. And I'm also seeing a lot more females in sort of the spaces where there weren't as many more female producers, which is amazing. I I love working with other female producers, DPs, like female DPs. I think I've seen so many more now and worked with so many more now than I had even previous to like, I don't know, ever, like, I don't know the last like, wow, six years, I would say I've worked with a lot of female, female cinematographers, which is amazing. And yeah, I accidentally like, accidentally with the with my short that I just did here. I wasn't trying. I was just like, friends of mine were reaching out and saying like, Okay, oh, do you need this? Do you need this? And I realized once we were on set and like, looking around, we were so female heavy. That's like awesome. we had like, my female DP, uh, ad script soup, production designer and art director. yeah, like I, it was just like so so many so many ladies on set and it felt really makeup artist. like it felt amazing That's awesome. because I didn't I didn't try because I always do try to like let's not just put ladies or other just just diversity in general. let's not just put exactly. those folks in secondary roles. They shouldn't okay, yeah you got a PA. you got you got a lady PA. great who's who's your heads of departments like that's where it really starts to make the difference like put these people in actual like decision-making roles of some sort and let them soar like give them that opportunity i think it's super important because you that's where the difference starts to be made they have the actual say in what's going on the screen in some way shape or form and that's that's great so i will say yes to all of that however I don't think that like I'm not seeing so much in the in the like universe of what's kind of out there. It still feels very male facing. And I do see even in I think in the festival space I'm seeing it a little bit more, but I think in like the distribution space, I wish there was just a little more going on. I'm seeing, you know, a little bit obviously, but it's not as much as I as I wish it were. Cause there are some that you see at festivals that are just these incredible. You know, like female female led scripts that were written by a female that are like DP'd or directed or when and it's just man, they're so good. and for female, they really speak to me and then i right. I see them not get like great distribution or they get distribution, but they kind of are set off into the deep space of a, a scroll through Netflix situation or whatever right so that's that's a sad that's a sad part of it that it's not quite getting into that front facing as much as I feel like it should. I do see a a little bit more in female directors in horror films, which makes me very excited because the (laughs) genre I think is always, I don't know. It felt, it always felt kind of male leaning. So I do love that I'm seeing an upswing in that. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say that I think is important is I, I came up, you know, like through the 2000, like late nineties, early two thousands and working with females felt very different than it does now. I think females today are not afraid that they're, the only female that's going to get hired. Cause I feel like it used to feel a little bit like that, even up until like when I was kind of starting to, you know, do my own thing here, it felt a little gatekeepy like, Oh, they're only going to hire one girl on this. So I got to be the girl. So I can't help you out too much. I'll mentor you a little bit, but like keep your, keep your distance. And I, I did, I felt that so much in different spaces as I kind of grew as a filmmaker. And it's part of the reason I think why I'm so like, Let's help no, I'm mean, gonna help let's help like to actually help each other, not just be like, here's some information. Okay, go away. I gotta, this is my world over here. That is changing and I definitely see it. And the female helping other female creators in all all the spaces of filmmaking is is a really nice, nice situation right now. And maybe it's just in my circle or if it's indie, I don't know because I but the people that I talk to about it, we all feel like that's a nice change that has happened where you don't feel like you have to stronghold your position as the girl right. on set. There's room for more. There's enough success for everybody kind of a feel. So that's a really nice change that I've seen as a as a lady in the filmmaking world is that we're, we are helping each other a lot more than when I was kind of starting out. So that's something, that's and it a must good be because, positive thing.
1: <laughs> absolutely. It must be because there's more... Females involved, right? Like, if I own one piece of the pie, I may not share my percentage of one percent with you. But if I'm like 20%, and you want, you know,
0: one percent, you want a little, you want a bite, everybody gets a bite. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's so awesome. So, Tina, I'm sure this is going to be really hard for you to narrow it down. And I don't want anyone out of those 70 short films to feel insulted if you don't highlight their particular film, because really I'm asking you to highlight one director or film. So please don't feel, feel bad people. If she doesn't highlight your film, she's only got one. Uh, but if wow. <laughs> I know. Business. With like, with so like many this. films. I feel like, like this
0: is a trick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like but a is, no is there one film? Situation?
1: Maybe. But if there, is there one film or, or filmmaker that you wish more people knew about?
0: That you um, wish somebody
1: would just go out and buy and watch right now.
0: Well, I, I I mean there are so many I there's just so many, and this is like a really this is not a fair question at all. And it's I don't appreciate fair this fair. from you. So so <laughs> I don't know. I there's just oh my god, that's a really hard question. I I will I'm gonna do I'm gonna do one shout out, but it is not because they're the only person I want to shout out, but um exactly I I will shout out Somebody who is very, very special to me in many different ways. A gentleman by the name of H.P. Mendoza is the director, editor, composer, and much more of The Secret Art of Human Flight. I met him at the, uh, I guess, early, mid to 2021 before we shot out in Massachusetts. We all bubbled together. It was a whole thing. And he is somebody that has been making films Very indie films, but some just him and like his husband and maybe one other person, like a very small crew. Um, And he's been making it work for like 10 years. He's made these amazing features. He has one that's a Criterion, you know, that's a musical. It's just, he's insanely, insanely talented and has kept in this indie space for so long and is still just this amazing creative human that has no like weird ego or like, chip on his shoulder about creating and being in this indie world he just loves like I do like we just really found to like this kind of soulmate connection on set like we were just the same type of human and the same type of creator and we just we loved working with each other and he is just the most I don't know he's so giving and so uh, just amazing to everybody like he was so gracious with his his crew everybody loved him he was collaborative but he really like kept his vision and held on to that and, and made this beautiful film and throughout all of us they're all so good and I just love working with him and also his spirit of just giving back and like give and receive he did the biggest favor for my short it's not real the, the little horror short that we did just seven of us in my apartment that went to festivals last year he was like how can I help send me the drive and I edited it and sent him the drive and he did the sound design. He composed a little music for it. He did the VFX on it. He did the credits. He did the color. He basically took everything and just did it. And it made the film just a thousand times better. And he's just this creative genius that knows all of the things, all of the things. Like he composes the beautiful <laughs> music. He edits, just, he edits like so well. I'm so inspired by him and in awe of him because there's just nothing I feel like he can't do. The sound design that he created was I blew my mind, and uh, yeah, so I will shout him out until the day I die from the rooftops and the largest mountains in the world because I just think he is somebody that should have all of the accolades, and he's flying so under the radar because he's in this indie space, and somebody just needs to be like, this guy's amazing, like you know, let him let him up uh, up the mountain a little bit, and yeah, just the best the best people. So yeah, you can see, go look him up, H.P. Mendoza. Go look at his website. He has a bunch of films yeah i I love him to pieces, and the secret art of human flight he's he, he has made a beautiful film that I'm so just honored that that I got to be a part of the situation of watching him work and yeah i'm I'm planning on collaborating with him on many more things, so he will be my one that I'll call out today. And then I'll have to go on Instagram and just call out every other filmmaker that I've ever worked with (laughs) to like make this right. But yeah, he he is uh, he's wonderful, and he's such a giver, and as somebody that is also a giver and loves to help other people in the community, like he's been doing that in his own community for so long, and he's just fabulous. So yeah,
1: (laughs) amazing. That's such a great kind note to leave it. This has been a masterclass on filmmaking, Tina Caboni. I really appreciate your time and all the thoughtful energy that you've supplied the show. I love it. I could talk with you about this for another hour. You're so you're so amazing, but I'm sure you have your priority looking at the clock and being like, I've got like 80 million things to do here, Ben. Yeah, I got, yeah, yeah I
0: got it. Yeah, so- <laughs> no, yeah. Su- this has been such a treat from that. like, I'm actually like, not <laughs> looking at my email right now. So this has been <laughs> such a pleasure. Thank you for even having me on. I'm so honored to be asked to be here. You're fantastic. And I love that you're also making the space to be like here's what it is and like let's just be kind to each other and it's okay to fail let's make things let's do this so (laughs) i love this idea and you're you're wonderful thanks for having me on and have me on again sometime i don't know i'll (laughs) come back and we'll talk for another hour
1: (laughs) thanks for listening to the first time go podcast the goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators so if you're with me for that please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Directors Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel if you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday. Thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time go.